To combat the most recent COVID variants, the FDA again wants the vaccine manufacturers to update the vaccines. Now, most people have COVID and vaccine fatigue and are kind of over it. So let's talk about it. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. David. So you may have heard the recent news that the FDA is instructing the vaccine manufacturers to once again update the COVID vaccine in order to be in line with the variants that are going around now. Now, you may have remembered that um, about six months ago, back to the turn of the uh, year, that this happened once already. Okay, and so now they're trying to, I guess we're playing catch our tail now to try to get ahead of ourselves. But I don't really know if that's what's going to happen here. But let's talk about it here some more. So as you know, I come here to present health education and choices to the listener. I provide this information based upon my review of medical literature. Plus me putting it into a brain that's been doing clinical treatments for people and have been contemplating things like vaccines for many, many years, 25 years now. So, you know, it gives me an opportunity to kind of take a step back and to look at things to try to figure out and help a family or a person figure out what's best for the individual that we're talking about. Now, <clears throat> again, this should not be you know really taken as a personal medical advice because, again, that's only something that I do for my patients in a consultation. Okay, so now let's talk about the new variants. Okay, so BA4 and BA5, those were the Omicron variants that we were put into the vaccine back in January. Okay, um, the new one is called XXB.1.5 or XXB15. Okay, and this also is a sub variant of Omicron. And now, currently, as of right now, 40% of SARS CoV 2 viruses in America are this XBB15, okay? But we have no idea how things will be in a couple months from now. Um, as we head into the fall, into the winter, um, things do change. We have no idea if that's going to be um, the proper thing. And, you know, realistically, <clears throat> the CDC, as you probably know, for flu vaccines, they try to update it every year. They base upon the data. They try to guess. Sometimes they get it very good in terms of the match for what's going around. And sometimes they get it's a terrible match where maybe only covering 15, 20 percent of the influenza that is out there. And of course, that is what, what some people bring to question that I get asked about is, does it make sense to take a vaccine if it may not be very successful? And again, that's part of the back and forth, the informed consent that should be happening, this type of consideration when making these types of medical decisions. Same thing here. Okay. Now, um, only 17% of Americans have gotten this BA5, BA4 vaccine that was brought in six months ago. So less than five people actually took it in the first place, okay? <clears throat> and again, you know, they say that this new one is supposed to be available in a couple of months, um, and it's supposed to be providing protection for those older ones and other, um, but now there's already a BA16, um, BXX16 that's out there. So, of course, it is known that the antibody levels will go up for a period of time after a vaccine, although it's really a lot of conversation that for seven weeks, nine weeks, a few months, but it, you know, all the information that we have <clears throat> is that it does not provide protective um, protection for um, a long period of time in terms of not causing symptoms. In fact, we even know soon after a vaccine is given for COVID, it may not provide um, protect completely against any disease or the ability to pass it along to people. The one thing though that the vaccine has been shown to accomplish 
is decrease the likelihood of severity of disease, hospitalizations, deaths. Okay. Now, <clears throat> part of the issue now is that if, um, you know, 96% of Americans actually have protection already in their bloodstream, antibodies, whether it was from the vac a past vaccine, whether it's from the wild disease in any of the variants we've talked about, or a combination. <clears throat> okay, so of course, that means 96% of people do have some level of protection. Now, let's go back here a little bit <clears throat> and talk about informed consent. Right. This is something I bring up from time to time that we, you know, consenting just means I'm giving permission for you to jab that into my body. OK, informed consent means that you are doing the research ahead of time, that you are speaking with people that you trust, healthcare providers or otherwise to decide whether the benefit outweighs the risk or not for that individual. OK, and we've talked so often about the age of the individual. Younger people don't seem to have a problem, although young adults seem to be the ones who have the most problems with the vaccine the myocarditis, the pericarditis, no longer a controversial thing to say. Of course, that's kind of a common knowledge thing among medical authorities as well. Um, but of course, the pro versus con takes into account, like, you know, what, how, how is somebody immunologically intact? In my opinion, do they have good vitamin D and zinc levels, which I think has a very protective effect as the research has also shown, although not nearly as publicized as the um, research that has been done about the vaccines. But you know, there are other ways of having immunity and the immunity, again, mentioned 96 percent of people do have circulating antibodies against SARS-CoV-2. OK, and therefore have some level of protection. Now, a few other pieces of information, because, again, you know, how how much benefit will a person get? Now, of course, there were days a couple years ago where people, you know, especially, you know, actually three years ago now. Wow. Um, where there were 10,000 people dying of COVID a day. OK, and of course, that was part of the fear that everybody was having at the time, because that's a lot of people dying in just a week, in just a day. Right now, at this point in time, in June, middle of June 2023, approximately 100 people a day are dying from complications of covid. That's still a number. Right. You know, I guess if you say 100, that's 36,000 people a year, which about averages how many people die from the flu. So, again, it's not a small number. But it is a much, much smaller number, right? And of course, nowadays, we have both, you know, whether it's the immune support protocol that we put forth, the, the COVID protocol for the natural, whether it's Paxlovid that's available. You know, there are treatments out there to help fight the virus that, of course, were not there. Of, you know, of course, our immune system protocol was, but weren't necessarily there to the population, to the masses when the vaccine first came out. And of course, that's part of the risk versus benefit conversation as well. All right. So, um that is, but again, because of all of this immunity that 96% of people is, that's probably the reason why there, there are such few hospitalizations and deaths happening now compared to in the past. Okay. Um, but for any one individual, we don't know if, uh, you know, we still don't know. Does an antibody level need to be above this, above X in order to um, provide, stop you from getting no sickness or above Y to stop you from being hospitalized? That stuff hasn't been worked out. And I really haven't seen much research that explains that at all. Kind of seems to have a little bit gone by the wayside and maybe just the medical society's moved on a bit as well now that the pandemic has been officially declared over for a while and we are in in the endemic mode so for those who don't recall endemic means it's always going to be around or it's gonna be around for a long time but not in a pandemic way where it will be overwhelming the medical um staff hospitals etc 
But it doesn't mean that it's still for one particular person, that it can't overtake you or your family or your loved one or your senior um, elder family members, etc. Because there is some possibility that much smaller. We know that Omicrons are weaker overall, but we know it can still happen because it is 100 people a day. Alrighty, so now what we, with my final take, we're in this post-pandemic, this more endemic world. We have to kind of take that into consideration. The likelihood that someone's going to pass it along to us is less likely, although it's still there. Okay, now we are perpetually scarred as a society. I get that. Whether one is in the pro or the anti-vaccine um, crowd, we're all still scarred. We were scarred by lockdowns. We're scarred by, you know, a lot of people scarred by masks. You know, they had their purpose. Now it's questionable. How, you know, of course, now it's no longer felt that it is needed. Um, mistakes were made along the way. Presumptions were made along the way. Of course, nobody could be 100% perfect without a working crystal ball. I know mine broke a long time ago, so I can't use that as a resource. But nonetheless, it still comes back to how are we going to decide? So again, I don't tell you what you should do. You should do what's in your best interest. You know, there's no mandate. There's no force being done about this. This is just a personal decision that every individual can take and, and, and has to take to decide what they are or not going to do. All right. Have a great day.